This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. As you heard on the news, we just learned about two new local cases of COVID-19. That brings the total to 20 here in the GTA, 29 in the country as a whole. Public health officials have put some new travel restrictions into effect, asking everyone returning from Iran to self-isolate for two weeks. Uh, The the news out of China seems to be good with the number of cases dropping, but that number is going up in other parts of the world. Meanwhile, people here are wondering if they should change their routines and plans because of the virus. I've even heard cases of people demanding that co-workers or conference attendees self-isolate because they've traveled to Asia, even if the country has no reported cases. We'd like to hear from you. And if you have questions, we're talking to a couple of experts. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Dr. Alon Vaisman, an epidemiologist and infectious disease specialist with the University Health Network, and Dr. Matthew Miller, an associate professor in the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences at McMaster University. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so let's start another two cases. Uh, A lot of these seem to be traced back to Iran. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, let's start with you. Yep, so one reassuring feature of all of these cases, although it is considering that that the cases are rising, is that still all have epidemiological links to areas of the world where no transmission is going on. So despite it Cases are increasing despite the fact that we're concerned about what's going on across the world. The reassuring aspect that we can sort of hang our head on right now is that all the cases in Canada, at least, have all been linked back to travel, and we haven't seen yet any transmission in the community here in Canada. Okay, and they've been linked back to travel to Iran and travel to China. What about other places that have cases, Dr. Matthew Miller? Like, what about Korea? It has a lot of cases, uh, but but I think a lot of them were were traced back to a certain church. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, the the decisions to um, to ask people to self isolate or to make travel restrictions uh, are really based on sort of the nature of outbreaks in these other locations. And in Iran, the ability to trace the individuals who have been infected um, hasn't been as good as in some of the other uh, locations and countries where there have been higher number of cases. Uh, and so in areas where there's more extensive evidence of community-based transmission, um, it becomes much more important to put more um, rigorous uh, control measures in place uh, for, for individuals returning from those those locations. Okay, so yes, Iran. Also, I, I gather that um, there's a suspicion that there are a lot of unreported cases because the death rate seems abnormally high. Yeah, that's right. I think there's 
still a lot of uncertainty in the medical and scientific communities around the death rate. Uh, and that's typical at the beginning of, of epidemics or pandemics because there is always uncertainty around the number of mild cases that may be unreported. We've also seen evidence that the death rate uh, can vary substantially from country to country. So South Korea, even though they have uh, a, quite a large number of cases, um, their death rate has been substantially lower than other locations. And so uh, that's something that, that we're sort of, you know, the entire community is actively monitoring to try and get the most accurate view of how serious um, the virus is in terms of the typical infections that it causes. Does it make sense to ask people coming from South Korea to, to self-isolate? Maybe Dr. Baseman could speak to that. Uh, We're seeing uh, several thousand cases in South Korea at this point. It's challenging to ask a large group of people who are coming uh, from outside the country to self-isolate because, of course, they have uh, school or work to attend to and other various personal activities. Um, If they're not symptomatic, then generally speaking, they don't need to isolate themselves. However, if things change in South Korea, if we have high numbers of cases, then we may see that recommendation. In general, we should follow what the uh, government of Canada has recommended regarding travelers coming from outside of uh, Canada. Okay, but because uh, public health authorities have asked people coming from Iran to self-isolate. Yes, I, I guess it depends on the level of concern we have about the country and their ability to screen and isolate patients. So if we, were, we have a country that has poor infrastructure in terms of health care and may not be able to track and isolate the people that they're seeing, then we may be at higher risk. Uh, for pe- the people who are coming from Iran may be at higher risk of transmitting virus than maybe from other parts of the world. You know, South Korea may have reached that point already, and uh, those recommendations, again, will come from the government of Canada on how, they, how those travelers should act. Uh, do you have any message uh, to, I mean, I've, I've heard of things where, where people uh, with no medical training are taking it upon themselves to ask people to self-isolate. Uh, it seemingly for almost no reason. Uh, I've uh, seen a, a conference asking people coming from Laos where there are no reported cases uh, not to attend. Uh, do you have a message for that? I think uh, Canadians should follow the recommendations of the Public Health Agency of Canada, the federal, as well as their municipal agencies. They will instruct people on what to do in case they're exposed. And I, I've also seen that. We've seen cases of people who are contacts of a contact of a contact, or people who've had very remote travel history, or people have history of travel to a non-concerning part of the world. So people shouldn't take it upon themselves to make these recommendations. They should seek guidance from their local and federal and provincial health agencies. As well, each company of any size also has their own occupational health and safety uh, groups that can also advise their employees on what to do in case they are contacted by public health or they have a contact. So we should try as best to follow the expert opinion from public health agencies as well as the occupational health at each company. Uh, Given uh, we seem to be seeing, you know, a few new cases every day, uh, do you have any sense of where we are at in this and whether it's, it's being contained? So I guess the question of containment, it's a relative one. So has it been contained in some parts of the world and not others? The answer is probably yes. Some countries are doing a better job than others in keeping this uh, from spreading to a wider group of people. So, for example, the case of numbers in China are stabilizing. We're still not sure what that means yet, but in other parts of the world, the numbers are very slowly rising or plateauing. 
when it comes to Canada, again, the most important thing to see, to realize is that although we are seeing cases every day, the three or four, we're still not seeing transmission inside Canada. If that happens, that will sort of change our approach to what we do uh, in hospitals and public health agencies. So the, so the term containment has a kind of um, a relative understanding depending on where you are in the world and depending on what um, is available in terms of resources to try to prevent transmission. Okay, uh, we are talking about the latest on COVID-19 with Dr. Alone Vaseman and Dr. Matthew Miller. The numbers to call if you have comments or questions, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We learned about two new cases today, uh, and as the experts are telling us, the good news is they are still travel-related and there's no sign of spread inside the community. And uh, Dr. Miller, a lot of people are kind of wondering if they should curtail their activities or activities that are planned for the future. And I know that you've been saying they should follow uh, public health recommendations, but those things keep changing and, and people generally sort of plan in advance. Do you have any advice for that? Yeah, I mean, the the really unfortunate reality of the current outbreak is that um, it, it is very fluid. Um, certainly, you know, people should heed the government's warnings when it relates specifically to areas where specific travel advisories have been placed. But uh, there are other places, you know, in, in the context of upcoming March breaks, for example, where... You know, people may be traveling to countries where there are few or little cases and things are relatively well contained. I, I, I think people should avoid sort of, um, you know, alarmist behaviors where they completely shut down their, their lives in fear of this, of this virus. Um, and so I think the best thing for people to do is to continue monitoring uh, the news and the, and the data and expert opinions about the outbreak and then make a judgment. If they're, if they're traveling somewhere where it seems like, you know, there's good control of cases and there's no risk that they're going to get stuck in a location due to um, travel cancellations, um, then, then they should continue to go about their, their daily lives and, and enjoy a break. Um, but of course, uh, it, it, it's really, I think, the most important advice I can give is for people to sort of continue monitoring the situation because uh, it, it does change on an almost daily basis, as we've seen. And, you know, no expert, um, I, I, I don't think, can realistically predict how things will look, you know, even a week from now, unfortunately. Dr. Vaisman, do you see the upcoming March break as some kind of test or turning point or, or something like that? It may be the case because uh, travel will likely increase, uh, or the alternative is that we may find out sooner than that where this uh, where this is headed. As Dr. Miller mentioned, we, we don't know and nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen, but the next uh, two weeks of upcoming information will be very helpful. So last week we saw transmission events going in, occurring inside America, for example. W will we see that now in Canada in the next two weeks? That may change people's minds about what they want to do for travel. If people know that there's already transmission inside Canada and there's lots of activity here, then they may, it may not change their approach to how they want to travel to certain parts of the world. Also, we'll, all, we'll know about other countries in the world. Is there activity going on there? So 
certainly March break can act as kind of a litmus test of how people react, but we may even know sooner than that about certain countries. Uh, let's take a call from Marie in Burlington. Hello, Marie. Hi. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Good. I'm not too bad. Thank you. I would just like to say we've seen enough, and it's about time over the years. It's about time Canada formulated a comprehensive plan in dealing with situations like these. What I'm seeing now is slipshod. My background is in the healthcare field. And um, either you ban travel to these places where there is an outbreak or suspect, suspected outbreak, and I know it'll be said you're trampling on people's democratic rights. That's beside the point. We have a nation here of how many millions of people. We cannot afford to expose them to the diseases that are so-called beyond our control. Oh, okay, Marie, I think our experts would say that banning all travel might be excessive, but I'll let them respond. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, again, the Canada does have, obviously, pandemic preparedness plans. Um, one might argue about how effectively they're communicated by the government, but those plans are certainly in place at the national level, the provincial level, and even at local levels. Um, an important consideration, of course, is that uh, we can't speak about broad. Stro- we can't speak in broad strokes. Um, with a plan that applies to every single outbreak. The management of infectious disease outbreaks uh, is effectively linked to the specific nature of the, of the pathogen, the virus, for example, that's causing them. Um, and, you know, in certain cases, we, we have seen, in fact, travel restrictions to, to areas where that's prudent. Um, but, again, the recommendations around travel restrictions have to evolve with the situation itself. And the, the frank reality is that given the interconnected connectedness, I'm sorry, of, you know, the modern world, in certain cases, completely shutting down travel is likely to have much more dire consequences um, than the spread of a, of a pathogen itself. And so all of those things have to be weighed in coming up with decisions around control and containment measures. Uh, comparing COVID-19 to regular flu influenza, is there a difference in the symptoms that you might experience, Dr. Vaseman? Uh, No, generally speaking, it's in the same spectrum of of symptoms. It could be anything from a mild cough and sore throat all the way through to feeling feverish, having shortness of breath, and requiring uh, intensive care admission. So there is no difference in the spectrum of illness there. And just going back to the previous caller's question, certainly everything Dr. Miller said was spot on. The one thing I would add is that preparedness, the one thing that isn't often talked about is is investing money into vaccine research so that when you do have a, a virus that shows up, you have a, the techniques, the resources available to rapidly develop vaccination. We're talking now about months and months away, but if more money was invested, perhaps technologies would be more readily available to have that available sooner. And that really is the bottom line for trying to prevent transmission of events. That is the single best way we would have. That is the only approach that we could have that could even hope to eliminate any infectious disease is through vaccination. So in terms of preparedness, that would be the single most important thing we can do. 
rather than travel bans, and uh, as Dr. Miller mentioned, which may not work depending on the pathogen. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that we have teams here in Canada working on a vaccine and uh, also in other parts of the world, in the States, and I think in Israel as well. Yes, that's right. There's certainly a lot of vaccine research going on right now. Um, unfortunately, as, as Dr. Vaisman kind of alluded to, we're in, we're in the worst situation that we could be in, in the sense that we don't vaccines by definition are meant to protect us ahead of there being an outbreak. And so when we're in a position where we have to scramble to try and find a vaccine during an outbreak, um, there has never been an instance where that has been particularly uh, effective in, in, in stemming an outbreak because the time frame for which vaccine development takes and then production and then distribution uh, is much, much longer than it takes for uh, a virus to spread across the globe. So it's obviously good that there's research going on in these areas. Um, and I think the hope would be that, that that research and that development might be useful in protecting us from future outbreaks, but it's not an ideal situation to be in in the context of a current outbreak. Okay. Um, we are starting to run out of time. Dr. Vaisman, what do you want to leave uh, people with? It, it seems like the longer this thing lingers, uh, the more worried people are. Yes, it's true that um, as this continues, people are getting more and more concerned. On the other hand, the longer we're seeing this and delaying it using other techniques, the more people are starting to get used to the idea that this is going to come and also uh, public agencies are making resources more available and federal governments across the world are making resources more available to try to invest in uh, protecting their uh, population against it. So although, yes, the lingering aspect of it does make people more concerned, it does buy some time for money to become available, research to be done, and uh, people to mentally prepare also for this outbreak to occur in their own countries. And Dr. Miller? Well, I think what's really important is that um, people, I, I think what the public really needs is a, is a comparator um, to which they're familiar and, and the ability to sort of assess relative risk. So the data to date, which is becoming more extensive by the day as the virus continues to spread, suggests that the risk is relatively low for people under 50 years of age. And of course, in older individuals or in individuals who have uh, underlying medical conditions like respiratory conditions or cardiovascular conditions, the risk of the infection being more serious is, is higher. And so people need to sort of gauge what their relative risk is um, before deciding whether or not it's worth changing their behavior. Certainly in most young, healthy individuals, the evidence suggests that this is a mild infection that for most people wouldn't even require a visit to the doctor. That doesn't mean, of course, that it shouldn't be taken seriously, but it does mean that, you know, we don't all need to shutter ourselves in the interim. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Matthew Miller and Dr. Alon Vaisman. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.